Good evening from Charlotte. It is September 9th, 2018, just past the 9 o'clock Eastern hour. I'm James Briarton, and thank you for joining the Carolina Weather Group for special coverage of preparing for Hurricane Florence. As you know, we've been watching the forecast very carefully, and the Atlantic has really begun to heat up. We have team coverage tonight. We have Scotty Powell in the foothills from Charleston, South Carolina. We have Shay and Jared, and of course, we have Chris Jackson joining us from Columbia. We want to give a, a hello to everyone who's watching not only on our live Facebook and Twitter and YouTube uh, pages, but also so many of you watching across the inter internet tonight on different locations. Thank you for sharing those out. We're going to be going around our panel tonight talking about the latest forecast, not only for Hurricane Florence, but as you just saw on that graphic, we have a few other storms that are out there. We're going to be talking about those coming up a little bit later in the hour, but so many of you want to know exactly what the latest is on the forecast track for Hurricane Florence. So with that, let's head down to Charleston, South Carolina. That's where Jared Smith has the latest observation from the National Hurricane Center. Jared? Yep, yeah, uh, gentlemen, good evening. Good evening, everybody. Uh, yeah, it's uh, starting to it's starting to speed up again. So we've got. A, let me get the new. Let me get the update on the screen here. Let me share my screen. And uh, so here's the Hurricane Center graphic. This is from. Uh, this is from the five o'clock advisory. Again, we're not quite in. We're not quite in three hour advisory mode yet. With this, we're uh, we're still kind of uh, we're still getting every six hours with full tracks because there's no watches yet. There will be probably at some point, but but not yet. Uh, so as as of five o'clock, uh, Florence has uh, got 85 mile an hour winds moving west at seven. Um, still a good bit of ways. It's it's been drifting a lot of the day, and, and it's had a little bit of a southerly component of motion, which is uh, certainly something that's been a little bit concerning. Uh, but it is expected to start making a, a west northwest turn. Uh, overnight into tomorrow and rapidly intensify into a major hurricane. Uh, this could become a Category 4 hurricane. Uh, it, it is expected to make landfall as a Category 4 hurricane. Um, and so that is something that we're going to need to watch very closely, you know, again, for uh, North Carolina there. So again, uh, <clears throat> starts to really pick up speed around Tuesday into Wednesday. And then getting into Thursday, that's when we're going to start to see um, – probably start to see some tropical storm force winds start reaching the coastline again. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's still a lot of uncertainty here. And again, we've got, you know, everywhere from Savannah all the way up into the Chesapeake Bay is in the cone of uncertainty. So, you know, so that, that could be, you know, again, that's the average forecast error and we could see the center pass anywhere in that point. And so little wobbles and little, you know, jumps in the center track could have big changes on impact. So we're not going to really, uh, talk about that, you know, we can't really talk too confidently about that just yet. Um, but what we can say is that this thing is is intensifying. It's looking very good on satellite. Um, it will be a major hurricane, and it definitely poses a significant threat to the southeast coast. And so if you're not getting ready, if you're in this cone, if you're anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, even into Virginia, and, you know, even, you know, parts of uh, southeast Georgia, if you're not getting ready, that's that's not good. Uh, so let's, uh, let's all make sure that we are preparing. So the next update will be out at 11 and, uh, James, I'm going to toss it back to you. Thank you so much, Jared Smith. We're working on getting uh, all of our social networks back up because it seems like Facebook uh, does not want to uh, cooperate. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and toss it over to uh, Shay Gibson for a look at the big picture, but Shay, we may come back to you again in a few minutes to recap some of this while we troubleshoot some of the technical difficulties. Okay. Yes. Um, so I mean, everything Jared said, I mean, you know, we're, we're in this, this cone of uncertainty now, uh, you know, we get four and five days out, things get a little bit tricky. 
And one thing I want to do is I want to share, uh, do my share screen, and we, we want to sort of zero in on Florence here, look at the track one more time. And one of the reasons for this track heading a little bit more inland into the north is, is due to some modeling uh, that that is involved with this. So one thing I was talking about today, we're looking at deterministic models, uh, and folks are really kind of uh, looking at these models, and, and really what we should be looking at is the ensembles. Uh, if we go to weathernerds.com, I'm sorry, .org, we see the ensemble charts here. Now, the euro here on the left has 51 members in it, and this one has been very consistent about pushing this storm a majority of the members into the coastline for several days now. And uh, we see even now it's almost unanimous that we're going to have a storm hitting the coast. And that's according to the Euro, not only hitting the coast, but going inland and stalling out. If we look at the GFS ensemble to the right, this is from the six o'clock run, the Euro from the 12 o'clock today. The GFS was uh, showing a little bit more of a northerly turn earlier in the last run. Now they're starting to sort of push the storm a little bit more into the coast. And there's a few factors involved with that. Uh, real quick, again, with the with the Euro Ensemble out through 120 hours only, and uh, only, what, two or three, maybe three outliers here uh, keeping this out to sea, but the majority of them now moving into the coastline. And so we look at the forecast track, and it could be anywhere from basically the South Carolina Georgia border all the way up to Virginia Beach areas, the tidewater. And, you know, the, the models are really, really persistent on keeping this into the coastline, largely because we have high pressure building to the north. Now, if we go back in time, we can see the storm coming, and this is going into Tuesday, 48 hours from now, where the storm is just south of Bermuda. Uh, heading to the north, we see a ridge building, a, a separate lobe of a, a larger area of high pressure to the north that's building down to the south near Bermuda. Now, this is what's going to guide the storm to the west. And in time, that ridge weakens, and we see the ridge rebuilding or being reinforced to the north, sort of an amplified nature. Uh, that's going to block it. So according to the GFS, the storm is going to make landfall on North Carolina, and then it's going to stall out and not move. It's going to be blocked by this large area bridging to the north. And this is going to be the problem because we're going to see an extensive amount of rainfall from this scenario. In fact, here's WPC's latest quantitative precipitation forecast, and we have upwards of uh, 10 to 15 inches. I think these numbers are going to start to climb. There's some models that were hinting at 25 to 40 inches of rain. And we might be talking feet here, not inches. In fact, I'm certain we're going to be talking about feet of rain in some of these areas versus uh, some of the inches down to the south. Of course, those folks along the northern quadrants of the system are going to be feeling this the most, even into the western zone, uh, into the mountains, if the euro verifies. So here's what the euro does. We flip over. This is from the 12 o'clock run today. And uh, we'll be watching for more consistency tonight, of course. But we go into time. Here we are uh, going into Wednesday morning. And then we get into Thursday morning. Here it is making landfall on the coast with this very strong ridging off to its east and to the north. The, the ridge builds to the north and keeps it into the coastline, blocks it up. It pushes all the way into the mountains and stalls. And then it slowly fizzles out and then drops south. Uh, gets pushed down into the Gulf. That's, that's getting really, really far out. That's 10 days. So a lot of margin of error. We get this far out, but the main thing is watching this particular hit of, on land right here. So that's the thinking in the in the modeling for this. One of the reasons why uh, we do believe that the storm is going to rapidly intensify to Category Four from the NHC, which is a pretty bold uh, statement from them, is because the atmosphere aloft is very conducive for it. There's uh, very low shear, and basically it is just wide open to be able to develop atmospherically. The other thing is our sea surface temperatures. 
very warm. We're looking at anywhere between 84 to 88 degrees all the way to the coastline. It's moving out of slightly cooler waters and it's moving into warmer waters. And that warm water is also deep, not just at the surface. And we also have the Gulf Stream off the coast to feed it as well as it gets closer. There may be a little bit of upper shear as it gets close to the coastline, but uh, for all intents and purposes, a category five is also not off the table. I'll go ahead and mention that as a possibility. There's really not much stopping it from developing into that. Um, I'd be surprised if it if it did make it to a four, but we hope that it doesn't make it to a four or it weakens before it makes the coastline. Uh, that's pretty much it from my angle, James. I think, um, you know, looking at visible satellite on GO-16 imagery, we're continuing to see healthy build on the system with very uh, strong convective core developing. We have strong radial outflow in all directions. You can see that outflow going clockwise over the top, which suggests the high pressure aloft is healthy. The upper divergence is healthy. The radial symmetry is there. We also have mid-level and low-level pressures vertically stacked and aligned, set the storms. Outflow is going to start to increase. And we're going to see rapid intensification of this through tonight and into tomorrow. Uh, and we will probably see a pretty good eye develop at that time. And I'll stop it there and uh, put it back to you if you have any other questions about Florence and its guidance. Uh, thank you, Shea Gibson in Charleston, South Carolina. We will be coming back for, uh, to you. Thank you for so much for uh, walking us through lots of, lots of data, lots of different model runs that Shea was walking us through, and we're going to be breaking those down throughout the show. I also want to welcome in everyone who's joining us right now on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, Periscope, on YouTube, but not only on the Carolina Weather Group page, but on so many other outlets as well, too. We do welcome you to our special coverage. Uh, we do have team coverage if you're just joining us. Uh, I'm James Briarton here in Charlotte. We, As you just saw, we have Shea Gibson in Charleston, where we also have Jared Smith. Uh, Chris Jackson is in Columbia and we have Scotty Powell in the foothills. So we're really watching this from a two state pr perspective. And I want to go now uh, to Jared Smith, who's going to take some of that data that uh, that Shea was just walking us through. And Jared's going to let us know what the National Hurricane Center is doing to compile all of that data into one consolidated forecast. Jared. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thanks, James. And and yeah, the, the Hurricane Center guys, let me tell you something about these guys. These guys are some of the best hurricane forecasters in the world. You should always use the Hurricane Center forecast to make your official decisions. I just want to you know, put that one out there. I've had a lot of people asking me, and it's like, oh, I, you know, the Euro is saying this or the GFS is doing this. And it's like, well, the, the garbage forecast system, don't listen to that. But um, sorry, GFS developers. But anyway, um, but the Hurricane Center synthesizes all that information, puts together a really, um, a, a really coherent uh, forecast, and they've done a really, uh, you know, and they do a really good job. They try not to, you know, shift it around unless it's uh, warranted, and it's been pretty stable today. So we're going to go back to the map here, and so this is the uh, advisory 42 from 5 o'clock uh, on Florence. So right now, um, according to this, uh, maximum winds are at 85 miles an hour, moving west at 7. This is likely intensifying. Um, this is, uh, this is going to be, uh, as Shay mentioned, it's expected to rapidly intensify. You just saw those satellite images that show very healthy outflow, um, and, uh, flow has got nice outflow and that's not good, um, because that means it is a healthy storm and that it is going to, uh, head into, and, and, and again, the path is not, is not great for the Carolinas. It is, uh, looking to be a major hurricane at landfall, possibly a cat four, um, as it makes landfall somewhere, somewhere along the North Carolina, South Carolina coast. Right now, um, if if you want to if you want to borrow a if you want to borrow a term from uh, Oklahoma City, it's red line, center line for maybe Wilmington. Um, I, I don't know that uh, you, you know, but that being said, 
the cone of the uncertainty, which is the forecast error. Again, this is the average forecast error. And, and, and they've gotten better at this over the years. Um, it's actually a much more narrow cone than it used to be. But the, that cone still stretches from Savannah, Georgia, all the way through Charleston, Myrtle Beach, Wilmington, Outer Banks, Cape Hatteras, into the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay. So what does that mean? If you're anywhere in this cone, you should be preparing for a direct strike from a hurricane. Um, you know, not saying it's going to hit there. Um, you know, there's still, you know, room for things to move and, and we have to respect that uncertainty through preparedness. And so, um, so uh, what does that mean? Again, you know, listen to your local emergency managers, your local weather service office. Again, follow these National Hurricane Center forecasts. The next update comes at 11. Um, and then once uh, once we get a little bit closer in time and they start issuing watches, uh, we're going to start seeing these update position updates every three hours. So, um, we'll be getting more frequent information from the Hurricane Center as time goes on. So, James, I'm going to throw it back to you, and I think we're going to uh, send it over to Chris, too. So, Yep. That's right. Thank you, Jared. And uh, we'll be taking a look at that. And uh, as uh, Jared mentioned, the next official update from the National Hurricane Center comes out at 11 p.m. Eastern time, and we will be sharing that across our social networks. Also, on our social platforms, as you've been seeing, we've had live coverage as the governor of South Carolina, Henry McMaster, has been holding updates. And as information comes into our newsroom about uh, the possibility of evacuations and state of emergencies that have been declared not only in South Carolina, but also in North Carolina, as those were uh, being issued and declared. We've been breaking that news for you on social media. Now with a wrap up of uh, what some of the latest headlines are when it comes to how this storm is going to be impacting you and the headlines that you will be reading in tomorrow morning's paper. Let's go down to Columbia, South Carolina, and that's where Chris Jackson is. Chris? Thanks, James. Uh, good evening, everybody. Pretty busy night going on. Um, looking at everything going on, uh, especially in South Carolina and North Carolina, of course, Governor McMaster uh, declared a state of emergency yesterday, had another press conference today just to uh, fill everybody in on what's going on with uh, preparation in advance of Florence. Uh, also, Governor Cooper in North Carolina uh, declared a state of emergency as well. And I'm sure they've got their uh, local emergency managers doing uh, all the same things that we're doing here in South Carolina. Going forward, um, you know, I know a lot of uh, local counties and local municipalities have also issued their own states of emergency. And I've noticed on social media today and really yesterday evening and all day today, there's been a little bit of, uh, I guess, kickback from people saying, that, well, you know, it's way too early. It's way too early. And my, my counter to that is it's never too early to prepare. Uh, you should be preparing uh, right now. If you live anywhere along the coast, South Carolina, North Carolina, if you're inside that cone, uh, you should have a plan in place. If not, I urge you to get a plan in place. And uh, if you're not sure on that, you can visit uh, the South Carolina Emergency Man Management Division's website at scemd.org. And you can also download their mobile app. What is It is called the SC Emergency SC Emergency Manager app, and that's available on Apple and the uh, Android platforms. Uh, going forward, oh, what to expect from here? I'm sure at some point, unless something changes, there will be orders to evacuate uh, issued by you know, state and local leaders. And you know, once those orders come, uh, really urge everybody to uh, uh, heed, heed the warning. You know, th those warnings are there for a reason. They're there to protect everybody. And uh, and that's what matters the most in situations like this is making sure everyone is safe. And uh, let me just pull up a tweet here that was really, really good earlier. Let me just share this with you guys really quick. <clears throat> it come from, uh, let's see, here, Brad Panovich up in Charlotte. 
And we know Brad pretty well here as the chief meteorologist of WCNC. Yeah. First, uh, uh, first warm weather. You got it there, Chris? Yeah, without without spending a whole lot of time going back and looking for it, because he's he's tweeted a lot today. It was it was something to the effect of he's never heard someone complain because they prepared too much, and and that's spot on. I, I don't think anybody can say it better than that. You can never be too prepared for an emergency, especially in a situation like this, where you know for folks that are new to South Carolina or that you know that that wasn't around in '89 when when Hugo came, or you know for some of the older generation, 1954 when Hazel you know come up the East Coast. This will almost certainly be one of the biggest storms you'll you'll see up till now in your life. And, you know, this isn't going to be like a, a Matthew event. This is, this has the potential to be much greater. And so that's why I really urge people to, uh, you know, heed the heed any warnings and, uh, you know, any evacuation orders that may come, be sure to know your zone. Uh, for those of you that live along the coastal areas, you know, if your zone's uh, told to evacuate, uh, again, just heed the warnings. They're there for a reason. Chris, you make Chris, a good you point with, um, and, um Officials, officials making the states of emergency declarations early. Um, and we had Nikki Haley do that even with Matthew, where they went ahead and they did evacuations and reversed the lanes and did all this stuff early. And there was there were folks that complained about that. And, and you know, the argument can go on both sides. But the bottom line is we know how long it takes to evacuate the coastal zones now. It's, it's not something that can happen in two days. Hugo we're able to make it happen in two days, but now the population size has grown ten tenfold since then. We have uh, large scale developments, lots of residential developments along the coastline, many more than there were back then. The routes haven't changed a whole lot and the interstates are still only four lanes for the most part. So our um, ability to move millions of people away from the coastline is still constricted to a point where they know that it's, time to do it early it's safer and it's better to do it early that way folks have a good shot of getting out because we know how long it takes to get from here to columbia during these evacuations absolutely i couldn't agree with you more shay um another thing you know these these early declarations do uh, you know as far as emergencies are concerned it opens up the state to receive federal funding and also assets from other entities like you know georgia uh, uh, tennessee's surrounding states from from a response standpoint of uh, like urban search and rescue teams from uh, various states, uh, National Guard troops and, and things of that nature. And uh, Governor McMaster mentioned that in his press conference today with the federal uh, declaration he, he sent to uh, President Trump to be able to be reimbursed at a state level, which is uh, really important to be able to, you know, have the federal dollars to, you know, pay for, pay for all the stuff that it takes to move you know, such a large population away from the coast. You know, the, the hospitals, uh, uh, like nursing home facilities, uh, just it, there's so much logistics that goes into it. It takes time and it takes it takes people and it takes money. And now they, they did uh, deploy the National Guard and several thousand, a few thousand people to come to the coast to help go ahead and get things into place. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I believe they're pre-positioning uh, folks from the National Guard, also Sacramento Highway Patrol, and also uh, some uh, fire department type assets for urban search and rescue, that kind of thing, I believe is in place. Chris, I, I will say this also, during that press conference, uh, one of the National Guardsmen there at the, the South Carolina press conference said, North and South Carolina are gonna be working hand on hand. So if North Carolina needs more help than South Carolina, South Carolina can send their assets up there and vice versa, North Carolina, South Carolina. So uh, the two Carolinas coming together uh, as uh, Florence bears, uh, bears down on both 
uh, states, and, and it may be that each state has to stay on their own because of what the likely impacts are, not only along the coast, but inland as well. Right. And, and you know, that's something that really puts a strain on first responders, especially in the immediate after, aftermath of a, uh, uh, you know, natural disaster, is, is being able to have the resources on hand to, uh, to handle the situation. And uh, it's, it sounds like from the folks I've talked to uh, with certain agencies that uh, they're going to have the people in place and the equipment in place uh, ready to affect um, whatever kind of rescues or whatever the case may be, maybe they'll, you know, you know, get it done. A lot of great uh, information there and still a lot to be seen, but I want to repeat exactly what Chris said from uh, Brad Panovich. It never hurts to be prepared. No one ever complained about being overprepared. So it doesn't hurt that tomorrow or Tuesday you head out to the store, you buy some storm supplies, the non-perishables, and whether you use them this week or you use them down the road, it's always good to have them. We have lots of folks watching tonight, lots of, uh, lots of really great questions. We're going to be getting to your questions at about the bottom of the hour or so in about 10 minutes from now. So please uh, continue to let us know what interests, concerns, questions you may have, and we'll uh, ask those of our panelists. Uh, the other thing I want to do here, because we have our panelists spread across North and South Carolina, is I'm going to ask each one of them in about three minutes or so, uh, total time to uh, walk us through the concerns that you're going to have regionally as experts in your community when Hurricane Florence comes ashore, what is it in your backyard that could be problematic and that you want to let your neighbors know about? And then also let us know a little bit of what you are planning to do because, uh, you know, we are not only uh, here at the Carolina Weather Group are folks who are telling you the latest on the storm and telling you to be prepared and telling you to evacuate if need be, but that same rule applies to us. We live here uh, just like you do, so if, uh, you know, the notice comes, we will be putting that into practice. Let's start with uh, Jared Smith in Charleston, South Carolina. Jared, uh, what are your concerns for your neighborhood? Well, one of my concerns right now is that, you know, people see this northerly track, they see the, the red line center line to Wilmington, and they're not really understanding that we're still in the cone. Uh, and, and I think that that's one thing that we need people to keep in mind is that just because we might not be in the center of that track, number one, that track can still move. There's still plenty of time. I mean, we're, we're still four days out on this thing. And so uh, we need people to not get complacent about, you know, what, you know, what may or may not happen. We just need people to, you know, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. Um, so that's one thing that I am certainly concerned about. Um, I am with this track. I am not so concerned about some of the things that I might normally be concerned about with like storm surge and, and, and significant flooding. Um, always a possibility when you get a lot of tropical rainfall to get flooding in uh, uh, various points of downtown Charleston, for example. So certainly something that I would want to watch out for there. And again, you know, winds on the beaches, beach erosion, rip currents. Those are happening now. Um, you know, high surf, I think we're going to be, it, we're, you know, we're still kind of coming out of a perigee and spring tide. And, and, and what's going to happen is it looks like this swell is going to help keep up some tidal flooding um, or get us very close to that threshold for tidal flooding for the next several nights. So um, that's something that we're going to have to watch closely. Could be some disruptions of travel, could be some, you know, just some nuisance flooding that we might not have had otherwise. So, um, you know, so as far as, you know, so as far as Charleston, again, you know, just uh, wind and rain, uh, maybe a little bit, you know, on the current track, again, we would be on the southwest side of the storm. And that that comes with its own problems. But um, certainly offshore flow uh, is is preferable to onshore flow, uh, which is good. Um, as as for me, you know, when the call comes, we're going to link up with family, head west, head west or south. Haven't really decided that part yet, but um, that's where you want to go. 
You don't, if you're, if you're in Charleston and you're looking to evacuate, don't go to Asheville. Don't go to, sorry, Asheville CB, CVB. Don't go visit Scotty. He's going to be busy in the EOC anyway. You know, don't, don't drive north because what's, you know, because again, the, the guidance is pretty consistent on um, this storm stalling out and potentially dumping a lot of rain and causing a lot of problems in North Carolina and Virginia. So go where there's no storm. If you're going to evacuate from a storm, go to where there's no storm, go to Florida. Seriously. Like this is the one time that you can safely evacuate to Florida, um, uh, from a hurricane. So, you know, so as, as another Oklahoma city t television met might say, you know, drive South, um, or drive West into Georgia. So, uh, so those are kind of my plans there. Uh, you know, going to con continue to watch things as, uh, as, uh, conditions warrant and, uh, just again, just getting ready, you know, just, just, Getting ready for the worst and hoping for the best. James? Thank you, Jared. Shay Gibson, you're not too far from where Jared sits. You're just on the other side of the river. What's your uh, plan, my friend? Uh, pretty much what Jared said. I mean, he, he nailed it right on the head. I think um, where, I, where I live in Wando, uh, the concern might be for some of that surge to push in. But it depends. If the storm's to the north, we end up with an offshore flow. The surge isn't going to be um, that much uh, a, a huge effect. I think we'll still get a surge out ahead of the storm no matter what. Yeah, the question is how much of a surge will we'll get along the coastline. And like, like Jared said, perigee and spring tides are, are finishing up right now. Uh, and we're going to be on our downswing on the tides. But if the, if the storm decides to take more southerly track, we're going to be in the realm of 13 to 18 feet. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and show this real quick. Let me, let me share a screen. And let's see here. And here we go. So let me know when you can see this. This is the uh, Saffir Simpson scale. We're still seeing, uh, uh, we're actually seeing you come back through. I think you're showing us your Facebook Live. Ah, okay. Let me let me switch screens then. Yep. And we're going to be making our way up to uh, Columbia in just a moment to get the perspective there. I think we got your satellite view now, Shay. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so here is the, um, the Saffir Simpson wind scale with storm surge effect. And category three, nine to 12 feet. Category four, 13 to 18 feet. Uh, you know, even being far away from the system, even if it's going to the north of Charleston, we could still experience some of this storm surge. Six to eight feet is not out of the question for Charleston. That might be a little bit high to call for right now, and I'm definitely not going to forecast that. But we're going to start to see in time the NHC is going to come out with their flood inundation map and also their uh, storm surge watch and warnings. As When we get to 48 hours out, they're going to put those up, and we're going to have those to look at. And they're going to have some pretty good signs going into it to find out, you know, what areas of coast are the, mo the most susceptible or the most um, uh, vulnerable to seeing the higher storm surge. So if we have a Category 5, you can see 19 feet plus. Uh, you know, Hurricane Hugo 1989 was Category 4. And this is what this actually verified. I remember uh, being on, I was a, I think a junior in high school. I remember going Highway 17 North just towards Ondaw and seeing mud caked on the trees about eight feet high. And it was completely covering the highway over your head at one point. So uh, the surge is no joke. And when you live on a flat coastal plain like this, that's my concern is some of the flooding. We saw even from Irma, 350 miles away last year, major flooding issues here. So that's that's going to be my concern for the Charleston area. The other concern is going to be these wraparound winds coming down and power outages. So we have a lot of trees. And um, <laughs> I tell you, there's, there's a lot of you know, large oaks, pines, you know, the SCNG and the power companies have done a pretty good job of clearing them away from the power lines immediately. But that doesn't mean uh, the power grids won't fail or we won't see transformers blow up. That's always a given with these kind of high winds events. So uh, my concern, flooding, power outages. Those are the main ones. I think uh, the winds, 
depending on how close this, the storm comes, hurricane force winds extending out 70, 80 miles away from the center to category four. If it's in Georgetown or Myrtle Beach, we're going to feel that. Um, even up into Cape Fear, North Carolina, we're going to have tropical storm force winds. So we'll have that to deal with. Uh, so, yeah, I think those are my two concerns, the power outages and flooding. Back to you, James. Thank you very much, Shay. Uh, great concerns. We have a lot of questions right now in Facebook Live about Hatteras and the Outer Banks, and we'll be talking about North Carolina in just a moment with our friend Scotty Powell. But let's uh, move up Interstate 26. Let's go back to Columbia. Chris Jackson, uh, what are your concerns for uh, the upstate, the Sand Hills, uh, your neck of the woods there, and uh, what's your plan? All right, so uh, going forward, one of the biggest concerns I have, uh, especially with uh, the threat of evacuations, is gridlock in Columbia. Um, uh, for those of uh, you that don't know, 26 uh, during evacuation times is, is all, all, all lanes are reversed. So all lanes coming out of Charleston uh, all the way to Columbia are, are going westbound. So that, you know, that's one of my biggest concerns. And also on the track, you know, if, if people just choose to evacuate to Columbia for whatever reason, and, and the storm takes a more southerly track, uh, there, there's a real good chance that, you know, we could see potential hurricane conditions in the Midlands. And so that, that's a huge concern. And then on top of that's the rainfall. You know, in 2015, we experienced some, some, some catastrophic flooding in around the Columbia area. And, and a lot of the infrastructure from 2015, you know, with dams and stuff like that, uh, either has been you know, patchwork repaired or not repaired at all. So the, the threat of flash flooding and uh, you know, life-threatening flash flooding and, and wide-scale river flooding is, is a really big concern, uh, depending upon the track. And like Shay said, you know, you get a hurricane that's got uh, hurricane-force winds that's sending out you know, 60, 70, 80 miles from the center. Each way is 160 miles. Uh, draw that on a map. I encourage everybody to go to Google, make a straight line on a map, and, and look how far that really is straight line. Uh, that that's a huge area. And so, just everybody in the Midlands, uh, the Upstate. Just know that just because, uh, like you know, Shay and Jared said earlier, even though that, that middle of that comb might not be placed over Columbia, doesn't mean we're not going to see s a significant impacts. <clears throat> yeah. I have some uh, some new news from uh, sure. a friend of mine, Chris Stobbs. He's on the Charleston County uh, board, on the school district board. And uh, he's passing me along to me that uh, they will not be opening their schools as shelters for a Cat 4 storm. And they will be... Moving those shelters, they will be in Berkeley and Dorchester's counties if that is the case, if that ends up happening. So Charleston County and coastal Charleston County will not be uh, opening their schools for shelters. Just so FYI for those listening. And I just got permission from him to say that on air. So. Uh, thank you for passing that along, Shay Gibson. Uh, I'm not familiar with the Charleston area being here in, in Charlotte. Just for, for perspective on that, in the past, have those facilities been used as shelters? They they certainly did in Hugo, and um, there were a lot of complications, a lot of problems because of logistics, getting to and from, flooding, all kinds of issues with that, trees down, and they weren't able to assist, better assist those in the coastal areas where the damages were greater. I see. Okay, thank you for that, uh, Shay Gibson, and I should let everyone know that at this point there are, uh, have really been no widespread calls for evacuation. It's it's too early, but as we head into tomorrow and the start of the work week, uh, we of course are going to be monitoring for that. And that news would come down, uh, you know, from a state level or possibly in some more localized county city levels, depending on what's going on. And of course, we will bring you those uh, as they become available. But I wanted to let everyone know that tonight as they're listening. But that's some good information we're getting there, not only 
as uh, we should be prepared to move, but also prepared to hunker down, depending on your situation. We'll talk more about that coming up. Uh, let's talk a little bit about North Carolina. We've been talking a, a good deal about South Carolina, but this is a storm that is going to affect everyone in this two-state area. So let's go up to the foothills of North Carolina. That's where Scotty Powell is. He's going to let us know what uh, we should be preparing here in the Tar Heel State. Scotty? Uh, thank you, James. It's a very um, hectic, hectic time coming up for uh, much of North Carolina. Depending on the track, uh, it's going to kind of depend on what uh, we see. If you live along the coastline, obviously, uh, right now, the models are, are depicting a hurricane coming ashore somewhere around the Wilmington area. And so uh, the coastal areas of North Carolina, obviously, you should have those preparations already uh, in order to go. Uh, you should be uh, making those plans and arrangements to find shelter well inland. And when we talk about the inland areas, again, depending on the track of the storm, uh, the GFS uh, and the Euro, kind of uh, similar, but kind of not with what's going to happen once um, Florence reaches uh, the inland part. So I'm going to pull up, or, or James has it pulled up for me. Uh, let's talk about rainfall first. Um, obviously, uh, inland rain uh, or inland flooding is, is the biggest concern with Hurricane Matthew, Hurricane Fran. Um, Eastern North Carolina is no, um, it, it has flooding potential. And, and this storm, uh, just like uh, previous hurricanes, also has that potential for flooding. Uh, this is the map that has just been released by the North Carolina Emergency Management uh, Division. And uh, this is depicting the projected rainfall for the next week um, with Hurricane Florence coming in. As you can see, uh, there's a bullseye over the Raleigh area of about 10 inches of rain. Uh, as you go into Greensboro, you're looking at um, 7, 8 inches of rain. As you move into the Hickory, Charlotte area, you're looking at anywhere between 4 to 5 inches of rain. Even back towards Asheville, 2 to 3 inches of rain. And then I'm also going to pull up the European wind model forecast right now. Uh, Jared talked about the GFS. I'm not a fan of the GFS. I, I don't think the GFS is handling um, the situation the way it should be. So I'm going to be using the European model. And this is uh, winds as, the wind as it moves into, um, into the coastal areas. And as you can see, uh, those are substantial wind gusts moving into a big portion of eastern North Carolina. Now, are we going to see 122 mile per hour wind gust in, in North Carolina? inland areas I, I don't know I, I don't think so uh but these wind gusts of 80 90 maybe even 100 miles per hour wind gusts uh just inland off the coast of north carolina is very likely in my opinion uh and as this storm slowly moves out of the area these extreme wind gusts go into central north carolina you're looking at places like raleigh with wind gusts around 80 miles per hour greensboro winston-salem around 75 miles per hour if you look down to charlotte that's 60 to 65 mile per hour wind gusts even back towards the mountains hickory morganton shelby gastonia you're looking at anywhere between 45 to 50 mile per hour wind gusts along with some heavy rain uh, western north carolina in even portions of central North Carolina, seeing a lot of rain this summer. Uh, so grounds are saturated. You put um, 60, 40, 50, 60 mile per hour wind gusts with uh, about three to four or five inches of rain. And we're going to see uh, a lot of tree failure, I'm afraid. Uh, flooding, uh, especially in the eastern part, central part, yes. As you get back towards western North Carolina, we could definitely see some flooding, but I think the biggest potential uh, will be over eastern North Carolina and central North Carolina, but the winds are also going to cause um, a lot of concern as well as the possibility of landslides, which we've had a lot of those 
um, develop even this summer as well. So Western North Carolina, I know a lot of folks who may be evacuating off the coast. Uh, they look at places like Greenville, South Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, Boone, Hickory. Um, yeah, you definitely, we, we want you to evacuate and, and, and come up here, but you're also going to feel the effects of, uh, of uh, Florence up here with definitely with some heavy rain and some gusty winds and, you know, flooding is going to be a big concern and also these, these wind gusts. So uh, another uh, part of this storm that we've not really talked about is the tornado potential. And uh, wherever we see that uh, Florence uh, make landfall, either in South Carolina or North Carolina, we're also going to have a tornado uh, potential in uh, definitely, I would say, and you guys come in if you if you want, uh, definitely uh, the Myrtle Beach, um, Charleston towards Myrtle Beach, up into the Wilmington area, we're going to see that tornado potential wherever uh, Florence makes landfall. So uh, flash flooding, uh, the biggest concern, but also those damage and winds and possibly tornadoes as Florence makes um her, or makes that track towards uh, Central North Carolina, and I think it was Jared or Shay who was talking about it earlier. Um, you know, we also could see this storm really slow down over inland, and that's going to give us even the bigger potential for flooding. So, yeah, there's a lot of information to unpack here, Scotty. And you know, one of the graphics that we've been showing on the side of our screen is kind of these lines, these spaghetti models that you've heard so much about, and. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what generates those, but you know, essentially what this comes down to is the further out we go in the future, the larger the margin of error we still have. We know it's going to be somewhere in that area. And so that's why when we're talking about evacuations, when we're talking about preparations, when we're talking about the severe weather, the damage that you could potentially see in your area, it's still slightly vague because we don't know exactly where the storm is going to go, but we know it's coming. So if you are thinking that you live in an area that might need to evacuate, maybe you live along the coast, you may want an A, B, and maybe a C plan because depending on where the storm comes ashore, you may be driving north, you may be driving south. And so those are things just to start brainstorming in your mind because it never hurts to be prepared. Have those plans together now so that when you need to execute one of those plans, you have them uh, kind of laid out. Uh, 9.40 here. It is uh, September 9th, 2018. You're watching live coverage from the Carolina Weather Group as we prepare for what is certainly going to be a very busy and possibly memorable week here with Hurricane Florence uh, expected later on this week. In just a few moments, we are going to take so many of your questions that have been coming in through Facebook Live, Twitter, YouTube, and other platforms. But what we want to do real fast is just kind of do a brief reset, about a minute or so. Uh, I'm going to ask Jared and I'm going to ask Shay just to walk us through exactly what the uh, forecast is right now so that when we lay out these questions we know that we're all on the same playing field uh jared can you walk us through again real briefly here the official forecast as we have it at this hour from the national hurricane center yes sir james thank you very much and uh and again right now we have uh as of the five o'clock advisory hurricane florence 85 mile an hour winds moving west at seven is it expected to begin to feel the effects of that high pressure ridge to the north and begin a west northwest turn uh getting into monday and tuesday it will it will intensify rapidly into a category four storm and uh make its approach towards the carolina coast um Landfall could be, statistically speaking, so we have we still have a few days, but uh, the cone of uncertainty for uh, the center pass, again, hurricanes, larger than a point, you're going to feel effects well away from the center. Anywhere from Savannah, Georgia to the mouth of the Chesapeake, you should be getting ready for the potential for hurricane impact with the most likely path right now being somewhere in that Myrtle Beach, Wilmington uh uh, kind of the Grand Strand and, and Wilmington areas. So uh, again, so that's what the Hurricane Center has right now. Next update comes at 11 o'clock and um, we will be watching that closely. 
Yes, we will. Shea Gibson has a look at some of the major models, the individual models that go into making this single consolidated forecast. Shea, how does that work? What are we looking at? Well, uh, thank you, James, for passing on to me. Uh, we're taking a look at Florence right now. The, the models are going to build this, uh, as Jared said, rapidly intensifying. Starting tomorrow, we're seeing the convection really wrap around the core right now. Outflow is very healthy. We have radial outflow aloft. Uh, low pre surface low pressure, mid-level low pressure stacked, vertically aligned. Everything is, is, is starting to come together for the recipe for the storm. Uh, we look at uh, ensemble models for this, and we have the European ensemble model here to the left. We look at the loop on this. We can see that a majority, almost unanimous uh, consensus of this model information, there's 51 members uh, really taking this into the coastline, anywhere from Outer Banks, North Carolina, down to North Florida. A couple of outliers. Uh, keep it very close to, to scooting out to see maybe two or three of them, but pretty much for the most part, almost every single one of them minus two or three, bring it to the coast. So that much we know is is very Shay, likely to occur. Yes. Shay, Shay, can can we kind of talk about this for just a second? Um, if, if if the viewers may see these images on social media of of model output. They may see what you just showed, all these spaghetti plots, but then they also may see these single lines. Could we, for a minute, talk about what deterministic versus ensemble model data is and, and why we prefer maybe ensembles more than we do that deterministic mode? Sure thing. Well, ensembles, what we have is multi-members. Like I said, we have 51 members, and what you're getting is a broad perspective. Each one of these members is creating an algorithm that's putting all the data, you have upper air, sea surface temperatures, you name it, even weather balloon. Now we're getting hurricane hunter data into this. The ensembles are able to generate an enormous amount of information which draws an ensemble mean line down the middle. And this is what the NHC does, puts a lot of weight into. So your deterministic runs, like this one right here, this is just a single run out of one of the stronger models from the ensemble. So your deterministic run, is a, it's a pretty good algorithm and it gives you an idea for guidance out three to five days and the margin of error starts to really climb pretty high. If we look here, we see the, the Euro model with this ridging to the north, this strong high pressure driving it into the coastline. And the problem here is that it stalls and it has nowhere to go, uh, which that puts it in your neck of the woods, Scotty. And this is gonna be a major rainfall maker at this point. Look at the GFS on the deterministic. We also run this into the coastline and this is getting into Friday and it has nowhere to go either. So both of these, uh, major players in the modeling scheme are really creating sort of a, a worst case scenario for this event. But getting back to the ensembles, uh, this is what we're talking about. The ensemble mean would be a line you draw right down the middle. The deterministic is, is one of the stronger of the ensemble models themselves and the members. So we can't, uh, we can't rely on these. Like a lot of folks see these models right here and you go to Tropical Tidbits, which is a great site. And Levi has a great amount of information there. But you, have, you, know how, you have to know how to use this information. You can't just run this model and say, oh, there it goes. It's going to hit Cape Lookout. Okay, everybody Cape Lookout uh, needs to run for their lives. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and, Shay, that, and Shay, that's why, why you're telling your folks there in Charleston, uh, you still need to be looking at this because that ensemble spread, the envelope as we call it, uh, still has some members even going into Georgia. That's exactly right. That's why the NHC is keeping the forecast cone all the way down to the South Carolina-Georgia border. We're not out of the woods yet. Uh, anybody that's in that cone is not out of the woods. This storm could slide a little further west. If it goes a little further west along the western side of that forecast cone the next two to three days, that whole track could shift further south. 
you know, and, and there's other factors too. If the ridge weakens to the north, it may it may go further inland if it amplifies uh, two days more out down the road. Um, you know, there's just so many little factors when we get into four and five days out. And, you know, I think that that forecast cone is there for a reason. And even though the, the European model is statistically more accurate than the GFS, we can't ignore the GFS because there's a lot of um, information that's in the GFS that is also sort of tied hand in hand with the euro when it comes down to nailing the track down. You know, I like to sometimes tell people that when you're talking four or five days out, you're talking about moving a point on a map several hundred miles. And so many of us drive nowadays with GPS in our car. And as you start to drive several hundred miles out, when you are just leaving your destination, you don't know what that traffic is going to be three, four, five, six hours down your route, right? So in your mind, you might have some alternative paths that you may take depending on what the scenario is. And weather forecasting is not much different than that. This this hurricane could take a couple different paths as it gets further out uh, into the future, depending on what the traffic situation is elsewhere in the atmosphere. To over oversimplify that, I think. Uh, we want to take some of your questions now as we come up on this 10 o'clock hour. Uh, Jared Smith uh, has been chatting along with so many of you in our uh, live chat. And uh, Jared, what are you seeing there in terms of conversation? Well, one thing I'm seeing a lot of is uh, a lot of people want to know specifics. And, and I appreciate that. And, and I think that, and who wouldn't, um, and, and a lot of questions about travel, a lot of questions about will, will airports stay open, things like that. So I want to address a couple of these just kind of blanket things right out of the gate. So number one, again, as we've been talking about all night, the specifics are going to, are, are the devil's in the details with this. If, if this storm tracks 20, 30 miles South, 20, 30 miles North, it could mean a great deal of difference for specific points along the coast. So, um, so it's very hard for us to tell you exactly what is going to happen right now, because we're still four or five days out. And it, and, and, and this stuff is not yet exact. Like we've mentioned that ensemble spread is from Georgia all the way up into North Carolina. The statistical cone goes up into Virginia. So and it's just too soon to say exactly what now that being said for my friends in Charleston, the things that you probably can expect based on the current track, start to see weather begin to deteriorate maybe wednesday wednesday night thursday morning again if this slows down or speeds up this all could bl be blown out the window but you know i do know that the airports they try to keep planes going as long as they can uh bridges only close when um the police department says they close for example um will schools close i've gotten a lot of questions about schools closing it's like you all are already sick of going to school well um you know that that really depends uh, you know if if an evacuation is issued then yes your school is closing um and in effect and if an evacuation is issued for charleston county that's probably means that dorchester and berkeley are closing because as shay said earlier we are going to be needing to move people into those shelters because of the uh the saffir simpson category of the storm so there's there's a lot of moving pieces about you know what to expect so again i think if, if you're going to expect the worst weather it's going to be wednesday maybe friday saturday again you know that far off this storm could stall out and it could you know we've seen some we've seen the modeling do some weird stuff and and um you know we it's it's very hard to tell right now so what i'm going to ask everybody to do is just be patient please um we're trying to sort this out just as much as you are and check on you know just check the forecast regularly and 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 when we as we know stuff we're going to tell you we're going to tell you as soon as we know it and um and can be confident in it and right now our confidence just isn't that high i appreciate the bluntness of that jared because it is so <laughs> true and if we knew exactly where the storm was going to be in five days 
we'd all be millionaires because we'd have the world's best forecast. But uh, it is what it is, and we want to be transparent with you about that. Jared mentioned uh, travel, airlines specifically. And if you are flying this week, you're going to want to stay in close communication with your airline. Uh, I have not seen all of the airlines come out with information, but just before we came on the air tonight, I did see a a notice come out from Southwest Airlines announcing that uh, they do expect disruption in their flights at least Wednesday through Sunday at their airport operations in Charleston, Charlotte, Greenville, Spartanburg, Raleigh-Durham, Richmond, and Norfolk. And so uh, I would expect other airlines will follow suit, put out some travel advisories. We have some very major hubs. American Airlines here in Charlotte, of course, does a lot of flights in and out of here. And I would expect to some degree those are going to be affected. A lot of you watching tonight, not only in the Carolina Weather Group uh, pages, but also on the South Carolina Weather pages that Chris Jackson runs. And Chris, I know you've been talking with your followers as well, too. What are you seeing? Uh, A lot of what Jared said, uh, you know, a lot of people want specifics and and, you know, I, I I don't want to answer that because if anything I tell someone specific right now would probably not be true. And I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's just too early to tell, you know, the biggest thing is, is being prepared, you know, prepare now and prepare for the worst. And then once we know specifics, we can, you know, start really letting people know, uh, I guess in greater detail, what we think is going to happen. And, you know, Shay brought up the point earlier as far as, you know, hurricane force winds out from the center, it could, you know, it could go 60, 70, 80 miles out from the center. And so what I did uh, just a second ago was uh, share my screen here. Uh, sh- I just made this up in Google. That's a that's an 80 mile uh, uh, 80 mile radius circle. So uh, 160 miles across hurricane winds. That's from Georgetown basically to Jacksonville, North Carolina. That's a ton of people, guys. That's a ton of people. And so, then we have sustained tropical storm force winds well beyond that, upwards of absolutely. 100 120 miles in each direction too. I mean, if you if you if I put this middle of this circle in South Carolina, it would take up almost the entire state. <laughs> and that's the point right now, right, Chris? So we don't know where this circle is going to be. Absolutely, and you know that circle may shift twenty five to thirty miles each way, and, and and to be able to nail that right now would be a just a total guess, and, and we're not in the business of guessing. Uh, Chris, uh, when it comes to uh, quote-unquote guessing, I know you are being uh, prepared as well, too, because one of the things that uh, we appreciate so much about what you do is you do some storm chasing. Uh, what are your plans right now? What, where do you think you might end up? Uh, tentative plans right now. Uh, what I'm thinking Wednesday morning, Wednesday, or maybe early afternoon Wednesday, uh, heading toward uh, Myrtle Beach area, North North Myrtle Beach. I've, I've talked to some, some uh, friends I have down that way that uh, – uh, do the emergency management stuff. And uh, basically they extended me an offer to come down and uh, uh, document the storm, what's going on. And also, you know, provide them with uh, what, what information I can give them as the storm evolves. And so that's my tentative plans for right now. And of course I'll be providing everybody with updates and, and videos. Hey, Chris, we will look for those on South Carolina weather and here on the Carolina weather group. Uh, Very uh, anxious to see what you do get. And, uh, you know, Chris, uh, being a trained professional in this, as we are telling you to evacuate, he may be inserting himself into certain scenarios where he's going to be working in tandem with local officials to give them that important on the ground information. We want you to get out. We're going to use data and sensors and some of these professionals in key safe locations to relay some of that information. Uh, Scotty Powell, uh, you and the Foothill Weather Networks will be watching this in Western North Carolina. I know uh, some of your viewers are watching tonight here on our special coverage on the Carolina Weather Group. Well, what's the conversation you've been monitoring? Yeah, so uh, we're in uh, talks with uh, emergency management officials. We work closely with those folks, and they're still in this period. Do we send our assets to the east part of the state, or do we keep them here in the western part of the state with 
There's some thunder right outside my house here. Um, do, do we keep the uh, the assets here at home because of the flooding potential? So, uh, you know, what we're telling our folks right now is you expect some, some gusty winds, 40, 50, maybe 60 mile per hour wind gusts um, as Florence moves inland and definitely some rain uh, with upslope flow. We have um, we have that potential seeing some definitely some heavy rain in the foothills with, with flooding. So uh, that's what we're telling our folks right now is wind and rain is going to be the, the two primary concerns here in the western part of the state. So depending on the track depends on how much rain we get and how much wind we get. So that's still uh, up in the air to see uh, to see what we get. But I did want to say I know James we were going to go through some uh, viewer questions. Uh, I've picked out a, a couple of good ones. There's so many coming in. Uh, one of them from Dean Young. He's wanting to know, uh, and this kind of goes back to the, the the possibility we don't know where this is. This storm's going yet is because of that high pressure that's centered to our north. So Dean's asking about the ridge. What is the latest read on that? What what is what is the forecast showing for that that high pressure? Shay, I know you've been watching that pretty well, so I'll, I'll let you get that one. All right, Scotty. Yeah, I can uh, I can definitely talk about the ridging process here. Uh, what we have is um, we have high pressure over the system now, and what we have is, is sort of a high pressure building in across the eastern United, the northeastern United States, and over Canada. So we have some amplification of that. In fact, I'll go ahead and broaden this region out a little bit so we can get it on a broader scale uh, to the north. And I will start back at zero hours and run this forward. Uh, as we go into time, we see a ridge building to the off the northeast coast of the United States. This is clockwise motion right here. This is what's providing the steering. A lot of times when you have high pressure over low pressure, uh, we can tend to call that a Rex block scientifically, but what we wanna do is, is emphasize the fact that the storm will be moving off to the west and to the northwest. Uh, and then as we get in time, this ridge is going to build, which is gonna further keep the storm from going to the north and pushing it west. Now, originally we thought this, this ridge may weaken and head off to the east, which may pull it around and keep it off the coastline. It looks like those possibilities are shutting down because now we're seeing the ridge amplify over the mid-Atlantic and over Canada. And that is going to create a, an even more significant blocking feature that's going to keep it to the south bottled up. Uh, this ridge follows it basically into the coast and pretty much guides it right into the coast at this day by Thursday morning. We're seeing impacts along land with the ridge firmly to the north. It has nowhere to go, no steering mechanisms. And then this is the result of that. So that's GFS, the Euro, does pretty much the same thing. Let me back it up a little bit. And we have this ridge building, uh, a separate lobe down near the Bermuda. So we almost have a, close to a Bermuda high. The ridge is further to the south, which keeps us further west. And the Euro has been consistently on this, keeping it further west and into the coastline a little further south with the ridge building out to the east and to the north. So there's the amplification to the north, and that is the thinking on it. And it actually pushes it inland even further. Uh, so the Euro also in agreement with the GFS, or both of them in agreement with each other, that we're going to see a prolonged storm hitting the coast and not being and not having anywhere to go. Rainfall totals are going to surmount. We're talking feet at this point, not inches, for a lot of folks, especially eastern North Carolina and up across the Mid-Atlantic. If you uh, have never experienced severe flooding from two, three feet of rain within a small period of time, two days, we're talking 48 hours, we could see upwards of two feet of rain. It could be a very significant event and catastrophic. Uh, Scotty Powell, a few last questions here from our viewership as we head towards the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Yeah, uh, another one coming in, uh, several of these actually coming in, and uh, Jared or Shea 
Uh, I know you guys have been talking about the hurricane centers information and the models. Uh, people are kind of confused about the 06Z, uh, 12Z, 18Z, 0Z. Uh, can we kind of talk, I, we know what it means, but can we kind of tell the public um, what those numbers mean? Jared, you want to well, go for that? <laughs> or Shay, whoever. <laughs> I had a Scotty Powell moment. I couldn't unmute myself. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's talk about that real quick. So meteorologists, all right, so first of all, uh, meteorologists run on uh, Zulu time, which is a, a military kind of way to say um, universal coordinated time or UTC. And so eight o'clock, so, so right now our time zone is Eastern Daylight Time. We are four hours back of, of UTC. And so that 00Z is technically midnight around London-ish, but here is eight o'clock. Um, and so the, the models run four, four times a day. The, most of the models run four times a day. There are other models that, that'll run uh, some of the higher resolution stuff. Like we have the high resolution rapid refresh, which runs every hour. We have the wrap that runs every hour, um, things like that. But, that. but that's ultimately what that means. Now, with some of these spaghetti plots that you're seeing, a lot of these spaghetti plots that, I'm, that, that get passed around, um, it, oftentimes there'll be 18Z spaghetti plots, but they're actually interpolations of 12Z or 8 a.m. forecast runs. So it may not necessarily reflect the latest thinking on the models. And so we've got to be very careful with how we share these um, uh, forecast models here um, and understand that in some cases that this might just be, we might just be updating the model position uh, to account for current movement and not necessarily a new forecast. So that is something to keep in mind. But, but generally speaking, yes, we run the models four times a day. Um, all over the world, uh, the the Euro one runs twice a day, so that's a that's an event for meteorologists, and um, and so, but the NSEP models from the Americas run four times a day, and um, and that way we just uh, get a constant flow of information in. Um, and just to add to that, Jared, yeah. um, just specifics because some folks don't understand military time. <laughs> oh, oh, is midnight. Oh, six six o'clock in the morning. Twelve. 100 is 12 o'clock p.m. and 18 Z is 1800, which is six o'clock p.m. So we have to think in hours of 24 hours from zero to 24 as being a full day. That's how military time works. So 2200 would be 10 o'clock, so on and so forth. You can kind of do the math on that. It's a little awkward getting used to, but that's how we operate. Like Jared said, with Zulu time and the military time usage. And it makes my head hurt still to this day. So if it's making your head hurt at home, you're not alone. Uh, 10 o'clock here. In just a moment, we're going to do a big picture recap before we wrap up for tonight. But we do have one uh, last question that I want to ask uh, Scotty Powell to weigh in on. And we are asking so many of you at home to be prepared. What does that mean, Scotty? Yeah, thank you for that, James. i uh going to let me screen share this real quick. I sent the link in our Oh, you got it. Okay, cool. I'll let you pull it up and I'll just talk. So, uh, yeah, so we want you to be prepared, especially if you live along the coast or even uh, just inland off of the coast. Uh, you need to have a, a disaster kit and just basic supplies. Uh, and a great idea that I saw today that I'd never thought of until I saw the idea is put this in one of those big old Tupperware containers. Maybe you uh, use them to store um, summer clothes or winter clothes or Christmas decorations or something. You can buy them at your local Walmart, Target, something like that, five, six, seven bucks. And, and they're pretty big. And you can put all of this stuff in there. And so when you don't need it, you can just store it on a shelf uh, in the garage or maybe in the basement. But what you want to have in your storage kit 
is of some of the following. You want to make sure that you have water, one gallon of water per person per day. And we tell you at least three days. You know, if you're affected by Florence, you can expect to have power out at least three days as these power crews will be overwhelmed. So make sure you have one gallon of water per person per day for at least three days. Uh, you also want to have food, a three-day supply of non-perishable food. So uh, a lot of canned food. You know, if we don't have power, we're not going to be able to cook food. But with that, you want to make sure that you have a manual can opener. If you have one of those battery oper or uh, uh, power-operated can openers, it's not going to do you any good. So make sure you have a battery or a handheld-operated uh, can opener. You want to have battery powder. Battery powder. Let me try that again. Battery powered or hand crank radio and a NOAA weather radio. Uh, flashlights, batteries, um, extra batteries. You want to make sure that you have uh, maybe one of those solar or uh, one of those uh, cell phone charger batteries that you can buy at your local store. Uh, that can give you maybe up to one or two charges for your cell phone. Uh, first aid kit uh, with your band-aids, um, gauze, things like that. Uh, you want to make sure that you uh, have your car filled up with gas. You want to make sure that you take some money out of the ATM. Uh, you know, if power's down, you're not going to be able to use your car. Uh, you want to make sure that you have um, like a garbage bag, moist towelettes, stuff like that for personal sanitation. Uh, and you also want to make sure that, um, that if you are uh, in your house, uh, unfortunately, you know, you get damaged or, or something like that. You have a whistle or something that if, if no one knows where you're at, you can make that noise for, uh, for people to, to find you. Also want to make sure that you have all your medications. Uh, make sure that you have them with you. You want to have pet food, extra water for your pets. Uh, you want to make sure that you have your contact lens solution. You're not supposed to sleep with your contacts in. So uh, make sure you have that and your uh, glasses. Uh, maybe a sleeping bag, some warm blankets, a pillow for each person, and also um, a couple of days worth of clothes just in case uh, you're not able to get back to your house. So those are all um, different things that, that you should have. Uh, we will uh, put that list up on our uh, Facebook page and our Twitter page uh, that you can link back into it. But it's always good to be prepared. And, and like so many have said tonight, you know, there's no, you shouldn't be angry if you get prepared and you don't have to use it. At least you're ready for the next event. So, um, James, we just ask for everyone to be prepared. Make sure that you listen to your local officials and uh, make sure that uh, you and your family are prepared. And hopefully you were able to do that over the weekend. If not, you have the next few days to do that. And also another thing I didn't uh, mention, you want to document things in your house. Take pictures of them. Upload them to maybe like Dropbox or Google Cloud, iCloud, something like that and make sure that you have a copy of those important documents, insurance, uh, and things like that in case your house was to be destroyed. So that James, is, back to you. That's absolutely right. First aid kits. Uh, this is a hand crank radio that Scotty talked about. So I can charge it ahead of time, but I can also hand crank it if we're going and using it for several days. It uh, picks up AM and FM, also picks up those very crucial NOAA weather radio bands. Uh, it does have a flashlight. Uh, so this is a handy dandy tool to pick up uh, You know, at any local store. The other thing that Scotty mentioned, and this is kind of a, a really great thing to have, it, it requires, I think, going a little above and beyond. Uh, but this is just about a book size uh, solar panel that will charge your cell phone. Um, they do sell uh, small LED adapters that can go onto this, like flashlights or lanterns. Um, you can even charge some AA batteries if you buy the adapter for it. So again, this is this is items that you know we're thinking two or three, four, five days down the line when you've depleted the batteries uh, that maybe you had set aside and you want to try to keep 
some of your uh, critical communication devices online. Uh, that is uh, some of those ways you can go ahead and, and do that. That you can pick up um, at you know, some outdoor store, especially like in the hiking or camping um, area. Uh, again, it is uh, now just past 10 o'clock. Uh, before we go, we want to throw it back over to our pal, our trusted colleague, uh, Shea Gibson. He, uh, on every Wednesday live show that we do, does a tropical update, and we're going to be leaning uh, on him here uh, to let us know exactly not only what is happening with Hurricane Florence, but as we mentioned at the start of the show, and something to keep in mind, Shay, there are other storms out there. Uh, that is exactly right, James. Uh, you know, we're, I tell you, we're um, getting into the active portion of the hurricane season. Let me see if I can share a screen. Try to get the right one here. Okay, cool. All right, here we go. Let me present to everyone. Uh, September the 10th is typically our peak day of the hurricane season. And this is the most active. And we're seeing a flurry of activity right now. We have a lot on our plates. Uh, we're going to have a lot to do this week. So uh, besides Florence, we have other areas as well. We have this area that, uh, down in the Western Caribbean. This is more of a pileup of precipitable water with easterly trades pushing into this area. There's going to be a little bit of a spin up that could transfer across the Yucatan to the Bay of Campeche or at least the southern, the southwestern, I'm sorry, yeah, southwestern Gulf of Mexico. Uh, the chance just went from 20 to 30 percent up in the next five days. This could be problematic for the northwest Gulf as upper shear looks to relax. We could be seeing another tropical system in this area. We also have Tropical Storm Isaac, winds of 70 miles per hour. And this storm is forecast to head towards the Lesser Antilles. So as a hurricane, it looks like it's going to become a hurricane fairly soon. The uh, strength of it, it's really, it's fighting a lot of dry air. If you look at the uh, MSCS from NASA, this is the water vapor loop. We see all this dry out at ahead of it. These oranges and reds represent that. And so this is more of a small compact system. It's really trying hard to uh, keep its spin and keep its convection going around the core. We don't see a lot of monsoonal feed coming up from the south either. It's not getting a lot of feed from it, but uh, these small compact systems have a way of weathering these these dry air masses. So this could very well become a hurricane, a very small hurricane, and make its way to the west and eventually make its way towards the Lesser Antilles. It is believed that it will weaken in time as it gets into this area because of upper shear coming from the south over South America will get on the storm and blow some of the cloud tops off. So whatever size, the small size it may be at this point, may get sheared and uh, those cloud tops lopped off at the top. Uh, let's take a quick look at Helene, Hurricane Helene. And this is 75 mile per hour winds, pressure at 992 millibars. Its track takes it out to sea where it won't be a problem for MUI, but it is another hurricane. So, uh, you know, just another system that we need to be watching. And we also need to be watching to see if it may curve back this way and maybe affect the Azores or maybe even the Cabo Verdes. I don't know if it's going to go this far. Uh, but we're, we're watching this as well. Also in the Central Pacific, we can't forget Hawaii. We have another uh, portion of the United States that may be affected very close to the time that Florence may be affecting the Southeast United States. We have Hurricane Olivia that's going to be bearing down on the Hawaiian Island chain, possibly as a tropical storm by this point. Looks like it's moving into slightly cooler waters with some upper shear. And the uh, they just got over having Hurricane Lane come up from the south. Uh, so they're still recovering from some of the flooding from that storm as it dropped a lot of rainfall. But um, this system tends to, to head south right over the island chain. It'll probably get sheared out pretty well and probably uh, take a substantial loss in, in magnitude when it gets to this point and become a depression in time as it moves over cooler water. So uh, a lot of activity going on across the Atlantic and the Pacific basins. Uh, Central Pacific, Eastern Pacific, there's one other storm out there. Uh, and this one is Paul, Tropical Storm Paul. 
Uh, this one won't be affecting land and will eventually become a depression over cooler waters with some upper shear as well. So one, two, three, four, five name systems. We have another area out here, disturbance two. This may be an invest 94L at this point. I'm sorry, 95L. This may become 96L. So they're just they're just coming out. They're just pumping out one by one. This disturbance is a 40% chance next five days, but it doesn't look like it's uh, that impressive of a feature and is over slightly cooler waters. We'll have to watch and see if this gets a name. It could become a TD sometime soon, but we're just watching at this point. It uh, doesn't look to affect land. The one in the Gulf is the next one we really need to be watching, and also Isaac for the Lesser Antilles. All of you in these islands need to be preparing for a possible tropical storm or a hurricane by the time it gets there sometime Thursday. And back to you, James. Uh, Shay, thank you very much for that. There is certainly a lot to watch. It is September. You know, summer may be over, but as Shay mentioned, we are right in the average, right in the median point of the tropical season, which will carry on through November. So, again... Buy those storm supplies, because whether you use them this week or you use them down the road, it's good to have. Uh, as we uh, approach, uh, we're past the 10 o'clock hour. It's 10.10 now. I want to give our panelists one last chance to make any closing thoughts they may have before we wrap up our coverage uh, for tonight. Anybody uh, have something they want to jump in with? Yeah, I got one more for you, uh, James. Go ahead, Chris. <clears throat> All right, so uh, one big thing I want to really stress to everybody is, uh, well, really two things. How about that? A, be patient with uh, you know, local meteorologists, National Weather Service, the state and local leaders, uh, you know, they're doing they're doing everything they can to keep everyone safe. Just be patient with them and, uh, you know, listen to the message, which brings me to my next point. Uh, and it, this might sound silly, but respect the polygon. Um, you know, if, if you get a, on, uh, a hurricane watch warning, tropical storm watch warning, uh, you know, whatever kind of warning you may get from the, your local National Weather Service office, respect it. Uh, it follow, the, follow the advice of whatever the message may contain. That's all. Great information there, Chris, and it's information that everyone needs to remember is going to be fluid and is going to be changing over the course of the last uh, few days. Uh, Scotty, I see you're up on the screen right now. Did you have something you wanted to hop in with? Yeah, I, I did. This is likely going to be a very historic event for someone in North or South Carolina. This is going to be a very strong hurricane. And in this day and time, there's a lot of divided uh, division in our country. And I just hope that at this time, we can all to come together as one, as a community, and, and help each other out because uh, if things pan out the way it looks like it's going to be, um, your neighbors and, and friends are going to need your help, and we're going to all have to come together and, and help um, as one. And so I just ask that, uh, like, like Chris said, you be patient with your meteorologists, your local emergency officials, um, heed their information, um, check on your neighbors, check on uh, any elderly folks, um, anyone who, who may need help. Um, be sure to help them out and don't don't forget to, to open your home if, if you live off the coast open your home to maybe some friends and family so they can seek shelter there and just uh, this is going to be an event that we're going to remember for a long time and I just hope that everyone can come together and look at the greater good of everything and kind of put our division beside us and come together and, and help I know the Carolinas are a strong community and um, you know after this this moves through, I know all of us on this panel are ready to um, to roll up our sleeves and help our, our friends and our families and our neighbors, and uh, we're going to get through this together, and we're going to be here to help you get through it. So that's that's my closing thoughts. Thank you, Scotty Powell, for those very powerful and meaningful closing thoughts. I don't think I can add anything to that. I think you hit the nail right on the head there, along with uh, Chris Jackson. Uh, we do thank you at home uh, for trusting us with the information to relay to you so you can make these very important decisions for yourself 
your family, your friends, and your neighbors. Uh, what does the week ahead hold? We don't know yet, but we will keep you posted around the clock on Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, YouTube. And this is also a good time. Uh, and uh, forgive the shameless promotion, but I think this will be justified that if you don't subscribe to us on one of our podcast platforms, you may consider doing that because if we get into a situation here in which we may later on in the week where uh, the cellular networks are down or degraded, your internet's down, power's out, we're going to be looking to give you updates every way we can. And one of the ways we may do that in addition to our traditional live video like we're doing tonight is in a lighter way. And so we already uh, have our Wednesday podcast feed out there on uh, Stitcher, on YouTube, uh, excuse me, on TuneIn Radio, on iTunes, the Apple Podcast Store and Google Play. And so we'll be able to actually deliver you audio updates as well, too. So even if you're on a limited internet connection, we can get some of those very important updates to you. So I just want to let you know that all those are out there. But at the end of the day, we want you to stay safe. So whether that's meaning you're getting the information from us here at the Carolina Weather Group, your local TV stations, your broadcast radio stations, or direct from your local National Weather Service and emergency officials, that is what is most important. So stay with us. Uh, we will have updates throughout the week uh, on the top of our regular scheduled shows we'll be airing some very uh, informative specials including um, presentations about what to have in your uh, storm supply kits we'll also be bringing you live the updates from uh, north carolina state officials and south carolina state officials so we do invite you if you haven't already like subscribe and turn on those notifications for us on the uh, various platforms so that you can stay up to date with the latest uh, on behalf of our team we do thank everyone who's tuned in tonight for our special coverage we will be with you all week long but on behalf of uh, Shay Gibson and Jared Smith Chris Jackson Scotty Powell I'm James Briarton in Charlotte stay safe stay prepared and we will talk to you again real soon